0: welcome to Fast Asleep. You may be here for a wonderful night's sleep, but you're not going to just get that. You're going to get an exceptional story. Thank you for being here. Now, with only one year of college, this episode's author became a journalist and a magazine editor. Well, it may be explained with this. Theodore Dreiser, was born in 1871, and he wrote with great honesty and accuracy. His novel, An American Tragedy, is thought to be one of the most influential novels in all of American fiction. These really are exceptional stories and exceptional writers. This adaptation of his short story, and it is complete in this episode, is not always beautiful, but its depth and uh, its tenderness more than make up for that. So what do you say? It's time. Tuck in and enjoy the lost Phoebe. Old Henry Reichsnyder and his wife Phoebe, had lived together for 48 years. They had lived three miles from a small town whose population was steadily falling. This part of the country was not as wealthy as it used to be. It wasn't thickly settled either. Perhaps there was a house every mile or so with fields in between. Their own house had been built by Henry's grandfather, many years ago. Their own house had been built by Henry's grandfather many years ago, which I just said. A new part had been added to the original log cabin when Henry married Phoebe. The new part, well, now, was weather-beaten, wind whistled through cracks in the boards, large Lovely trees surrounded the house, but eh, they made it seem a little damp inside. The furniture, like the house, was old. There was a tall cupboard of cherry wood and a large old-fashioned bed. The chest of drawers was also high and wide and solidly built, but it had faded and smelled damp. The carpet that lay under the strong lasting furniture had been made by Phoebe herself 15 years before she died. Now it was worn and faded to a dull gray and pink. The frame that she had made the carpet on was still here. It stood like a dusty bony skeleton in the east room. All sorts of broken-down furniture lay around the place. There was a doorless clothes cupboard, a broken mirror hung in an old cherry wood frame. It had fallen from a nail and cracked. Three days before their youngest son, Jerry, died. There was a hat stand whose china knobs had broken off. Oh, and an old-fashioned sewing machine. The orchard to the east of the house was full of rotting apple trees. Their twisted branches were covered with greenish-white moss, which looked sad and ghostly in the moonlight. Beside the orchard, several low buildings surrounded the house. They had once housed chickens, a horse or two, a cow, and several pigs that same gray-green moss covered their roofs. they had not been painted for so long that they turned a grayish-black. Why, in fact, everything on the farm had aged and faded, along with old Henry and his wife, Phoebe. They had lived here, these two, since their marriage, 48 years before. Henry had lived here as a child. His father and mother had been old when Henry married. They had invited him to bring his wife to the farm. They all lived together for ten years before his mother and father died. After that, Henry and Phoebe were left alone with their four children but all sorts of things that happened since then. Why, they had had seven children, but three had died. and One girl had gone to Kansas, and one boy had gone to Sioux Falls and, well, was never heard from again. Another boy had gone to Washington. The last girl lived five counties away in the same state, Oh, she had so many problems of her own, however, she rarely gave her parents a thought. Their very ordinary home life had never been attractive to the children, so time had drawn them away. Wherever they were, they gave little thought to their father and their mother. Old Henry Reif Snyder And his wife Phoebe were a loving couple. You perhaps know how it is with such simple people. They fasten themselves like moss on stones until they and their circumstances are just worn away. The larger world has no call to them or if it does they don't hear it. The orchard the fields, the pig pen, and the chicken house measure the range of their human activities. Why, when the wheat is ripe, it is harvested. When the corn is full, it is cut. After that, winter comes. The grain is taken to the market. The wood is cut for the fires. The work is simple fire-building, meal-getting, occasional repairing, visiting. And there are also changes in the weather, the snow, the rains, and the fair days. Beyond these things, nothing else means very much. All the rest of life is a far-off dream. It shines far away. Like starlight, it sounds as faint as cowbells in the distance. Old Henry and his wife, Phoebe, were as fond of each other as it is possible for two old people who have nothing else in this life to be fond of. He was a thin old man, seventy. When she died. He was a strange moody person with thick uncombed gray-black hair and beard. He looked at you out of dull fish-like watery eyes. His clothes, like the clothes of many farmers, were old and ill-fitting. They were too large at the neck or the knees and elbows were stretched and worn. Phoebe was thin and shapeless. She looked like uh, an umbrella dressed in black. As time had passed, they had only themselves to look after. Their activities had become fewer and fewer. The herd of pigs was reduced to one. The sleepy horse Henry still kept was neither very clean nor very well fed. Almost all the chickens had disappeared. They'd been killed by animals or disease. The once healthy vegetable garden was now only a memory of itself. The flower beds were overgrown. A will had been made, which divided the small property equally among the remaining four children. It was so small that it was really of no interest to any of them. Yet Henry and Phoebe lived together in peace and sympathy. Once in a while, old Henry would become moody and annoyed. He might complain that something uh, unimportant had been lost. Phoebe? Phoebe? Where's my corn knife? You never leave my things alone. Oh, now you be quiet, Henry, his wife would answer in her old cracked voice. If you don't, I'll leave you. I'll get up and walk out of here one day, and then where would you be? You don't have anybody but me to look after you, so... You just behave yourself. Oh, and your corn knife is in the cupboard where it's always been, unless you put it somewhere else. Old Henry knew his wife would never leave him, but sometimes he wondered what he would do if she died. That was the one leaving he was afraid of. Every night, he wound the old clock and went to lock the doors and, comforted him to know Phoebe was in bed and if he moved in his sleep she would be there to ask him what he wanted now Henry do lie still you're as restless as a chicken well I can't sleep Phoebe well you don't have to roll over so much you can let me sleep this would usually put him right to sleep. Now, if she wanted a pail of water, oh, he complained, but it gave him pleasure to bring it. If she rose first to build a fire, he made sure the wood was cut and placed within easy reach. So they divided this simple world nicely between them. In the spring of her 64th year, Phoebe became sick. Old Henry drove to town and brought back the doctor. Because of her age, her sickness was not curable. And one cold night, she died. Henry could have gone to live with his youngest daughter, but it was really too much trouble. He was too weary, and he was used to his home. He wanted to remain near where they had put his Phoebe. His neighbors invited him to stay with them, but he didn't want to. So his friends left him with advice and offers of help. They sent him supplies of coffee and bacon and bread. He tried to interest himself in farming to keep himself busy, but it was sad to come into the house in the evening. He could find no shadow of Phoebe, although everything in the house suggested her. At night, He read the newspapers that friends had left for him, or he read in his Bible, which he'd forgotten about for years. But he could get little comfort from these things. Mostly, he sat and wondered where Phoebe had gone and how soon he would die. Now, he made coffee every morning and he fried himself some bacon at night, but he wasn't hungry. His house was empty. Its shadows saddened him, so he lived quite unhappily for five long months. And then, then a change began. It was a moonlight night, the most covered orchard shone ghostly silver, as usual. Henry was thinking of Phoebe and the years. They had been young together, and he thought about the children. Who had gone? The condition of the house was becoming worse. Why, the sheets were not clean because he made a poor job of the laundry. The roof leaked, and things inside got damp. But he didn't do anything about it. He preferred to walk slowly back and forth, or sit and think. By 12 midnight of this particular night, however, he was asleep. He woke up at two o'clock. The moon shone in through the living room windows, his coat lying on the back of the chair made a shadow near the table. It looked like Phoebe, as she used to sit there. Could it be she, or her ghost? he never used to believe in spirits, and yet he stared at it in the pale light. His old hair seemed to rise up from his head. He sat up, but the figure did not move. He put his thin legs out of the bed. He wondered if this could really be Phoebe. They had often talked about ghosts and spirits, but they had never agreed that such things could be. Oh, his wife had never believed that her spirit would return to walk on the earth. She'd believed in a heaven where good folk would want to stay and not come back. Yet, here she was. Now, bending over the table, and she was wearing her dress. Her face shone pale in the moonlight. Phoebe, he called excited from head to toe. Have you come back? The figure didn't move. He got up and walked uncertainly towards the door, watching it carefully. As he came near, however, the ghost became once more His coat upon the chair. Well, he said to himself, his mouth open in wonder, I surely thought I saw her. He ran his hands through his hair while his excitement relaxed. Although it had disappeared, he had the idea that she might return. Another night, he looked out of the window toward the chicken house and pig pen. Mist was rising from the damp ground, and he thought he saw Phoebe. Why, she always used to cross from the kitchen door to the pig pen to feed the pigs, and here she was again. He sat up and watched her. Now, he was doubtful because of that first experience, but his body shook with excitement. Perhaps there really were spirits. Phoebe must be worried about his loneliness. She must be thinking about him. He watched her until a breath of wind blew the mist away. On a third night, as he was dreaming, she came to his bed. Oh, poor Henry, she said. Oh, it's too bad. He woke up and thought he saw her move from the bedroom into the living room. Oh, he got up greatly astonished. He was sure that Phoebe was coming back to him. If he thought about her enough, if he showed her how much he needed her, she would come back. She would tell him what to do. Perhaps she would stay with him most of the time, at least during the night. Oh, that would make him much less lonely. For the old or weak, imagination may easily develop into actual hallucination. Eventually, this change happened for Henry. Night after night, he waited, expecting her return. Once, in a strange mood, he thought he saw a pale light moving about the room. And another time, he saw her walking in the orchard after dark, and then one morning, he felt he could not bear his loneliness any longer. He woke up with the knowledge, the knowledge, that she was not dead. It's hard to say how he felt so certain. His mind was gone. But in its place was the hallucination that he and Phoebe had had a senseless quarrel. He had complained that she had moved his pipe. Now, in the past, she had jokingly threatened to leave him if he did not behave himself. I guess I could find you again, he always said. But her joking threat had always been the same. You won't find me if I ever leave you. I guess I can get to some place where you can't find me. And when he got up that morning, well, he didn't build the fire. He didn't cut the bread as usual. He began to think where he should look for her. He put on his soft hat and he took his walking stick from behind the door and he started out energetically to look for her among his neighbors. His old shoes scratched loudly in the dust. His gray hair, now grown rather long, hung down below his hat. His hands and his face were pale. Why, hello, Henry. Why, where are you going this morning? inquired Farmer Dodge. "Uh, You haven't seen Phoebe, have you? Phoebe who? asked Farmer Dodge. He didn't connect the name with Henry's dead wife. Why, my wife, Phoebe, of course. Who do you suppose I mean? Oh, come on now, Henry. You aren't joking. Well, you aren't joking, are you? It can't be your wife you're talking about. She's dead. Dead? No, no, not Phoebe. She left me early this morning while I was sleeping We had a little quarrel last night, I guess that's the reason, but I guess I can find her. She's gone over to Matilda Race's. That's where she's gone. He started quickly up the road. The astonished Farmer Dodge just stared after him. Well, he said to himself, he's gone crazy. That poor old man has lived down there alone until why, he's completely gone out of his mind. I'll have to inform the police. Why, Mr. Reifesnyder, cried old Matilda Race, as Henry knocked on her door. Why, what brings you here this morning? Is Phoebe here? He demanded eagerly. Phoebe who? What, What Phoebe? Replied Mrs. Race, curious. Why, my Phoebe, of course, my wife Phoebe. Who do you suppose? (laughs) Isn't she here now? Oh, why, you poor man, cried Mrs. Race. Why, you've lost your mind. Oh, you come right in and sit down. I'll get you a cup of coffee. Of course your wife isn't here, but you come in and sit down. I'll find her for you. After a while, I... I know where she is. The old farmer's eyes softened at her sympathy. We had a quarrel last night, and she left me, Henry offered. Oh, my, Mrs. Ray sighed to herself. Oh, there was no one there to share her astonishment. The poor man. Now somebody's just got to look after him. He can't be allowed to run around the country this way looking for his dead wife oh it's terrible she boiled him a pot of coffee and brought in some new baked bread and fresh butter she put on a couple of eggs to boil lying as she spoke now you stay right here henry until jake comes in and i'll send him to look for phoebe i think she must be over at sumnerton with some of her friends anyhow we'll find out Now, you just drink this coffee and you eat this bread. Oh, you must be tired. Why, you've had a long walk this morning. Her idea was to wait for her husband, Jake, and perhaps have him call the police. Henry ate, but his mind was on his wife. Since she was not here, perhaps she was visiting the Murrays. miles away, in another direction. He decided that he would not wait for Jake Race. He would search for his wife himself. Well, I'll be going, he said, getting up and looking strangely about him. I guess she didn't come here after all. She went over to the Murrays, I guess, and he marched out, ignoring Matilda Race's cries of worry. Two hours later, his dusty, eager figure appeared in the Murrays' doorway. While he had walked five miles and it was noon, the Murrays, a husband and wife of 60, listened to him with astonishment. They also realized that he was mad. They invited him to stay to dinner. Now, they intended to call the police later to see what could be done, but Henry did not stay long. His need for Phoebe pulled him off to another distant farmhouse. And so it went for that day and the next and the next. And the circle of his questioning grew wider and wider. And although Henry came to many doors, and the police were informed, it was decided not to send him to that county hospital. The condition of mad patients in this hospital was horrifying. It was found that Henry returned peaceably to his lonely home at night to see if his wife had returned. Who would lock up a thin, eager, old man with gray hair and a kindly, innocent, inquiring manner? His neighbors had known him as a kindly, dependable man. He could do no harm. Many people gave him food and old clothes. Well, at at least at first. His figure became a common sight And the answer, why, no, Henry, I haven't seen her, or no, Henry, she hasn't been here today, became more customary. For several years afterward, he was an odd figure in the sun and rain, on dusty roads and muddy ones. The longer he walked in this manner, the deeper his strange hallucination became. He found it harder and harder to return from his more and more distant searches. Finally, he began to take a few eating utensils with him so he would not have to return home at night. In an old coffee pot, he put a small tin cup. He took a knife. A fork, a spoon, and salt and pepper. He tied a tin plate to the pot. It was really no trouble for him to get the little food he needed. And with a strange, almost religious manner, he didn't hesitate to ask for just a little. Slowly, his hair became longer and longer. His black hat became an earthen brown and his clothes worn and dusty. For three years he walked with only his clothes, his stick, and his utensils. No one knew how far he went or how he lived through the storms and cold. They did not see him find shelter in piles of grass or by the sides of cattle their warm bodies the warm bodies of the cows protected him from cold and their dull minds did not oppose his presence overhanging rocks and trees kept him from the rain the progress of such hallucinations is strange he had asked for Phoebe at people's doors and got no answer so finally he decided that she was not in any of the houses but she might be within reach of his voice oh. so he began to call sad occasional cries oh Phoebe oh waked the countryside, and echoed through the hills. It was a sad, mad ring. Many farmers recognized it from far away and said, Oh yeah, there goes old Rifesnyder. Sometimes, when he reached a crossroad, he couldn't decide which way to go. Well, he developed another hallucination to help him. He believed Phoebe's spirit, or... Some power of the air or wind or nature would tell him where to go. Now he would stand at the crossroad and close his eyes. He would turn around three times and, oh yes, call, oh, Phoebe, twice. And then he would throw his walking stick straight before him. Now this would surely tell him which way to go. Phoebe or some magic power would direct the stick He would then follow the direction the stick pointed, even when it led him back the way he had just come. And the hallucination that he would surely find her remained. There were hours when his feet were sore and his legs tired. There were times when he would stop in the heat and wipe his forehead or in the cold to beat his arms. Sometimes after throwing his stick and finding it pointing to where he had come from, he would shake his head wearily, but philosophically. And he would consider for a moment the confusion and disappointment of life and his own strange fate. But then he would start energetically off again. His strange figure finally became known in the farthest corner of, well, three or four counties. Old Reifsnyder was a sad character, but his fame was wide. Now, about four miles from the little town called Watersville, there was a place called Red Cliff. Now, this cliff was a steep wall of red sandstone perhaps uh, a hundred feet high. It rose above the fruitful cornfields and orchards that lay beneath. Trees grew thickly along the top of that cliff. In fair weather, it was old Rife Snyder's habit to spend the night there. He would fry his bacon or boil his eggs at the foot of some tree, and then he would lie down. And he almost always woke at two o'clock in the morning. Occasionally, he would walk at night. More often, he would sit up and watch the darkness or the stars wondering. Sometimes, in the strangeness of his mind, he imagined he saw his lost wife moving among the trees. Well, then, he would get up to follow. He would take his utensils on a string, He would take his stick, and when she tried to escape him, oh he would run after her, begging. Well, when she disappeared, he would feel disappointed. He was saddened at the almost impossible difficulties of his search. One night, in the seventh year of his search, he came to the top of Red Cliff. It was spring like the spring when Phoebe had died. Oh, he had walked many, many miles with his utensils following his walking stick. And it was after 10 o'clock at night. He was very tired. Long walking, little eating had left him only a shadow of his former self. He had little strength. Only his hallucination kept him going He had eaten hardly anything that day, and now, exhausted, he lay down in the dark to rest and possibly sleep. Old Reif Snyder felt the presence of his wife strongly. It would not be long now until he should see her, talk to her, he told himself. Well, he fell asleep, and after a time, his head on his knees, it was midnight, the moon began to rise, and then it was two o'clock. Suddenly, he saw a light, like a large silver ball. He opened his eyes. The forest was full of strange light and a silvery shadowy form. What was that that moved among the trees? A pale, shining, ghostly figure. Moonlight and shadow gave it a strange form and an even stranger reality. Was it truly his lost Phoebe? And it came near him. He imagined he could see her eyes, not as she was when he last saw her in that black dress and shawl. Now, she was a strangely younger Phoebe. She was the one whom he had known years before as a girl. Old Rife Snyder got up. He had been expecting, and he had been dreaming of this hour all these years. And now he saw the pale light dancing before him. He looked at it questioningly, one hand on his gray hair. Why, for the first time in many years, he suddenly remembered the full beauty of that girlish form. He saw her pleasing, sympathetic smile, her brown hair, he remembered the blue ribbon she had once worn about her waist. He saw her light and happy movements. Well, he forgot his pots and pans, <laughs> and he followed her. She moved before him, and it seemed that she waved to him with a young and playful hand. Ah, oh, Phoebe, Phoebe, he called. Have you really come? Have you really answered me. On and on he hurried until he was almost running. He brushed his arms against the trees while he struck his hands and face against small branches. His hat, oh, it was gone. His breath was gone. His mind quite gone when he came to the edge of the cliff. Down below He saw her among the silver apple trees now blooming in the spring. Oh, Phoebe, he called. Oh, Phoebe, uh, don't leave me. He felt the pull of the world where love was young. And Phoebe waited. Oh, please, please wait, Phoebe. And he jumped. Some farm boys found his utensils under the tree where he had left them. And later, at the foot of the cliff, they found his body. He was pale and broken, but full of happiness a smile of peace curved his lips his old hat was discovered under a tree no one of all the simple population knew how eagerly and happily he had finally found his loss Phoebe Good night.